0: So I was doing a little research on, uh, uh, for this, uh, this message, and I came across a news item just last night. I thought it was interesting. It's a three-year cruise, a three-year cruise. Maybe I got the Cato's attention, hello, <laughs> hello, we're not going <laughs> to see Susan and Ray for three years now. Life at sea cruises is offering a three-year cruise for 30000 a year. <laughs> oh, okay, well, wait, maybe not. <laughs> it's beginning November 1st, so get it in real soon. Uh, MV Gemini will take three years to travel around the world. They'll go to different ports, 375 ports, 135 countries, all seven continents, yes, all seven. That means Antarctica as well. I don't know <laughs> what you'll find there, but a lot of snow. But uh, it's an opportunity to give it all up, leave it all behind, and hit the road to escape all your responsibilities. Actually, they said that you can also work remotely as well and, in doing that. And cruisers will be able to have family and friends on board to visit for free. And so I'm thinking at different ports, probably. They can't go along with you for free. But uh, I wonder if they need a pastor for church services during uh, might be a might offer my service for that. But after three years, I'm sure there will be plenty of opportunities for relationships to have an impact on one another. A little community floating on the water, all different places. And speaking of having an impact on one another, as some of you know, Becky and I helped our daughter, Brianna, get to Texas uh, last August. And we uh, took a big, gigantic road trip, taking her to Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. And on that drive, we had an interesting experience going on in different moments at times. And uh, her car packed to the hilt, just all smashed in there, all her things. Becky in the back seat kind of crammed back there as well. And Brianna just singing her lungs out as uh, she'd drive along the road and... And uh, we're trying to figure out what she's singing at times. But uh, some experiences along the way, though, that were just incredible. Well, actually, I've got a video for you to watch, and you can figure it out here this experience. Anyway, so yes, uh, interesting time, interesting time together with her. We continue on a series, The Roads to Jesus, and we find ourselves on the road of relationship where we restore uh, or, or build a relationship with God and others in His church. Now, those who are serious about following Jesus understand it means walking the road of relationship. It means a close relationship with God and with our friends, who are are walking the same road. In our scripture passage today, we discover two people walking sadly from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And and these two disciples were broken down. Their, Their world had crashed down on them, and all their hopes and dreams had just fallen through. They thought Jesus was something special. They thought He was going to be King. And they were right, but their point of view was a little incorrect. They were focused on the earthly world, the world of, of politics and the world of, of an earthly kingdom. But Jesus was something else, and, and, and these two Emmaus Road travelers were about to find something they never thought would be coming. Much of the Gospel of Luke is con- concerned with a journey theme. Nestled in the middle of, the go- of his Gospel there is commonly called the, the travel narrative, where Luke details Jesus' journey through Samaria, from the region of Galilee to the city of Jerusalem. And His destination was always Jerusalem. Luke wrote in chapter 9, verse 51, that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And ten chapters later, He triumphantly arrived in chapter 19. And according to Luke, when He set His eyes upon the city, He could scarcely take in the scene. As Luke wrote, as He approached Jerusalem and saw the city, He wept over it. And while still riding on the colt, He proclaimed the prophecy of her destruction because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And following his, His emotional entry into the city, Jesus taught in the temple courts. He celebrated the Passover with His disciples. He was arrested in chapter 22 and publicly tried and finally crucified. And all of these things took place in that city where He had resolutely set out for. Many people believed the journey was over after His crucifixion. But let me take you to that moment, though, with those two people walking down the road. In Luke chapter 24, we're going to start with verse 13. I'll let you turn to that. I'm not going to have it up on the screen. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, I'll read that to you, uh, uh, that account of these two people on their way to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them, but they were, they were kept from recognizing Him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked Him, "'Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days?' "'What things?' he asked. "'About Jesus of Nazareth,' they replied. "'He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. "'The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. "'But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel.' He said to them, Well, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning Himself. And as they approached the village in which they were going, Jesus acted as if He were going going farther. But they urged Him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen, has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when He broke the bread. When we'll there at that point. Interesting account, isn't it? There's a lot there that you can go on with a lot of different messages. But on the third day since all this took place, they left the city of Jerusalem for the village of Emmaus. There were two of them. They feared that the the journey was over. Jesus had done His thing, and He was placed in the tomb, buried, dead, and buried. The tomb had been sealed, and so the dream of redemption was sealed up with them. They had given up, lost all hope, and they left their city. Have you ever felt disappointed by God? Sometimes you probably got to get really just... Real honest with yourself. Have you ever been disappointed by God, felt disappointed by God? In a moment where you're thinking this is going to be happening, God, you're going to provide, and here we go, and then it doesn't happen. Maybe you prayed for healing, but there was no healing that you could understand. I've walked that road with some of you, and the feelings of disappointment were overwhelming, overwhelming to you. Maybe you're in a situation right now, Where you're feeling like God is disappointing me, He's not coming through. I prayed for this, and I'm continuing to pray for it. And I don't hear anything. Let me ask you: are you willing to trust Him again? Even in the darkest of your days? What about these two people? These two disciples. What, what do we know about these guys or these people? We don't know if they're two guys, they're a woman and a guy. We don't know. But these two, two disciples were heading in the wrong direction. They're going the wrong way. And it happens. We think we entered the correct address in our GPS and we find out we're going in the wrong direction. I mentioned that to you before. Been there. Not a happy time. But we know that these two people were among the disciples because in verse 13, Luke writes uh, uh, that there are two of them. And we know that they were on the road of discouragement, <laughs> discouraging walk towards Emmaus. All the different things that went on. They left the city of Jerusalem for the village of Emmaus. Verse 13. They were saddened as they were walked on their way. In verse 17, they still understood Jesus as merely a prophet. As this guy died in the, and he's in the tomb, he must have just been a pretty good prophet, I guess. And they were without hope in verse 21. As well as in verse 25, they were slow of heart to believe. Believe that story of the women at the tomb. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt, uh, you know, trudging down the road of discouragement and sensing God to be a million miles away? Those are dark moments. Those are situations you wonder where God is. Everything just is coming in on you, you you feel numb, your body feels numb, Your, your, your brain feels numb, you can't quite think right, kind of in a fog, wondering, where is God right now? How come He's not answering? How come He's not helping me in this situation? And with each step you take, it creates more distance between you and God because you're going the wrong way. We become slow of heart to believe the story of redemption that he was born of a virgin, that it happened on Christmas, that on Christmas Day we celebrate, that he died on that cross, that the tomb is empty, he lives today. But for some reason, we become slow of heart to believe those things because the pressures of this world just continue to come in on on top of us. And it can happen, whether it's our health that drags us down and we just don't feel like doing anything and everything just doesn't work well. Maybe it's uh, uh, relationships that have been broken and we don't know what to do there. And all these things just come in on us. Are you heading in the right direction? Here's a clue, If if you don't know if you are or not. Here's a clue. If you feel distant from God, there's your clue. Change your life's direction because you're heading in the wrong direction. You feel distant from God. One thing's true about that, God didn't go anywhere. <laughs> He's still there waiting for you. Another thing we know about these two disciples is that we, they were greatly mistaken about Christ and His purpose. So many people don't get it sometimes. <laughs> Stephanie and I, um, one, one day we were in the church office, and uh, she had received a phone call or it was an email, one of the two, a communication from a copier guy, copier machine guy, to come and check on us on our, on our contract. We thought, oh good, we can talk to him and figure some things out for uh, contracts coming up and we can renew it or figure some things out with that. And uh, uh, we were a little mistaken about his purpose because he wasn't from the Xerox people that we have a contract with, he was with another company. <laughs> and we didn't understand that until he got there and he started talking with us, we're like, wait a second, you're from who? Oh, whoops! <laughs> it's like okay, well, we'll listen to you, and he gave a pretty good, you know, presentation and all that. But anyway, we we were mistaken about his purpose as well too. But these two here, they didn't they didn't understand Christ's purpose. They appeared to be so clueless that they couldn't even recognize their teacher, having mistaken him for a mere visitor in Jerusalem. <clears throat> And to their surprise, this stranger, also known as Jesus, begins to show the need for the Messiah to suffer these things and then enter His glory. And working His way through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning Himself." Have you ever expected God to work one way, but then, uh, catching you off guard, He accomplished His will a different way? That's the thing about God's will. He's going to do what He's going to do, and we need to latch on to that. We might have an idea of what we want, thing, how things are going to go, or we might have an idea of the direction we want to go with some concerns on our hearts, but God knows, and He knows what's best for us, and He's going in a direction that we need to follow. But what those moments teach us about is that God is God, <laughs> and we're not, and He knows what He's doing. We can trust Him. When there are moments where we think, wait a second, God, you're supposed to go this way? Let's, let's head His direction because He knows what's going on. He knows, knows what's best. And we need to be sure to wholeheartedly seek to understand the Scriptures by valuing to understand the Old Testament as much as you do the writings of the New Testament. Everything needs to come together. Not just have an idea of, uh, of New Testament here, and this is what we know. Bring in the Old Testament, the prophets, and what they talked about, and how it meshes in with New Testament Scriptures we're going to have a great opportunity, just to give you a heads up, coming up here before Easter, we're going to have a Passover meal, Passover Seder meal presentation, and it's going to bring in the Old Testament in with the New Testament mixed together. So you'll hear about that soon, coming up, watch in your bulletin about that, and uh, and you'll be able to hopefully prepare to set that day aside. <laughs> talking about the writings of the Old Testament and having them, understand them and having them relevant as well, too. I, I met with a couple just, just last week. They even gave testimony of finding some good stuff in the Old Testament book of Numbers. <laughs> they were able to do that. And so every part, whether it's Leviticus, Numbers, whatever, there's some good teachings in there that we need to look at and realize how it's connected in the New Testament scriptures, what we're probably more familiar with. So Jesus wanted to nurture His relationships. His relationship with the two disciples who appeared to have abandoned all hope of, of a journey toward redemption. And He wants to do the same with you and with me. And Luke tells us that Jesus does this in three ways. First, He dialogued with them. Jesus doesn't simply show up and preach a sermon. First, He wanted to hear from His disciples who had given up all hope. What's going on with you guys? Why, 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 why are you walking to Emmaus? What's happening? Tell me. And so as he asked, then he, wanted, he asked some questions about that, and then he listened. <laughs> he listened. You see, in a dialogue, there needs to be speaking and there needs to be listening. <laughs> so the other party can speak. Dialogue. They agreed that, uh, that he talked with us on the road in verse 32. And while he shared with them the significance of it all, Jesus meets us in our doubts. He meets us where we might be doubting. He he understands what you're going through. And He wants to come alongside and hear what you have to say. Hear your heart. What's going on? So He dialogued with them. He also opened up the Scriptures with them. And when He began to explain the Scriptures, they described their hearts as burning within them. He opened the scriptures to us, they said, in verse 32. You know, the Holy Spirit does the same for us as well. So open up God's word. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth and opens up meaning and principles to us as we read read God's word. And a third thing here that that, uh, Jesus did with these guys is he shared a meal with them. (laughs) Now, that's a great thing. We're up for that probably pretty much all the time, huh? When they arrived at the village of Emmaus, they invited a stranger, Jesus, to stay with them there. And it was during the evening meal when the stranger became a host by taking the bread, giving thanks, and distributing it to them. And somehow giving away his identity at that table as well, too. And as soon as they recognized him, he disappeared. All gone. Job was done, relationship was restored. Those three ways of fostering a relationship on the road to Emmaus are very similar, if you look at it, very similar to what was practiced in the early days of the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They carried that on with them, and that's how they were able to gather together and keep things going. Dialogue, scripture, food. (laughs) That's how Jesus nurtures a relationship with us. But what about from our end of it? What's our part in all of this? What can we do to have a heartwarming relationship with Christ that's described in verse 32, where Jesus joined the two disciples on their way to Emmaus, creating that threefold relationship that ultimately warmed their hearts. How can we have a heartwarming relationship with Christ? Well, I think a heartwarming relationship with Christ involves the warmth of fellowship. Who were the two people on the road to Emmaus? Well, we know it was Cleopas. We don't know the other person. Well, whoever it was, Jesus was the topic of conversation, and although they were crushed, they were together. They were able to talk about things, try to figure, try to figure things out, what, what they just experienced and what was going on, process that whole thing happening. See, the warmth of fellowship also involves being together. The warmth of fellowship involves being together. Some people might say, yeah, those two people, yep, misery loves company, right? (laughs) But this reminds me more of what Solomon wrote about in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Starting with verse 9, it says, "...two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help uh, help him up. Also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken." So Solomon knew the value and benefits of fellowship. And so let's look at these real quick, of uh, the, these, these benefits of fellowship that Solomon brought out here in the, these verses. First, there's a better profit for one's work. You got two people working at it seven one. Many hands make light work light work, right? Um, in that coming up for our church work day, I trust that there will be many hands to make uh, light work for that day as well, too. There was help in time of difficulty. If something was going wrong or tough times were happening, you had someone else to rely on to help you through that. There's comfort in time of need as well. A person's body heat could keep another person from freezing. And I know that from firsthand experience, actually, in a snow camping experience that I had in college with some friends. And I had to keep my friend from freezing to death in that situation. There's also protection in time of danger as well. And then uh, Solomon concludes the list of benefits by stating that if two are better than one, then three are even better than anything. (laughs) So the efforts and benefits shouldn't be confined to just two people. There are advantages to cooperating with others. Life is designed for companionship, not isolation. Sorry, introverts. (laughs) That's that's just it. It's designed for intimacy, not loneliness. Some people prefer isolation Uh, during COVID uh, restrictions and all that. You were loving that. But thinking, thinking, you know, you're thinking you can't trust anyone. And uh, we're not here on earth to serve ourselves, though. We're here to serve God and others. So don't isolate yourself and try to go it alone. Seek companions, be a team member, join in together, as Ecclesiastes tells about. Well, the warmth of fellowship also includes a regular corporate worship. The writer of Hebrews addresses this in chapter 10, probably a familiar portion of scripture for you, starting with verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. To neglect Christian meetings and gatherings is to give up the encouragement and the help of other Christians. If you do it on your own, that's what you're giving up. We gather together to share our faith and to strengthen one another in the Lord as we get closer to the day when Christ will return, we'll face many spiritual struggles and even times of persecution. Adversity will grow against the followers of Jesus. It's going to happen. But difficulty should never be an excuse for missing church services. Difficulties should never be an excuse for missing church services. As difficulties arise we should make an even greater effort to be faithful in attendance. There's Too many people turn inward and isolate from others when difficulties come their way. And I get it. You don't want people in your face going, Hey, how are you doing? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just want some distance. I get that. But the situation is that those people avoid church probably because it seems to emphasize their issues. They don't want to see that. They avoid the one thing that can help them the most. And it's just exactly what the devil wants to happen in a Jesus follower. Get that that little, that ember that's with the rest of them in that fire. Get that one separated off on its own, and it will go out eventually. It will grow cold. Put that ember back in with the rest of that fire, and it grows hot and strong. So let's, let's stay in fellowship. Let's stay in fellowship and keep one another encouraged. I know I've mentioned how grateful I am for online service opportunities. But you know, sometimes that can be an excuse for people not to come to church. Now, those of you are online, I get it. You're, you're, you're far away. You can't make it here. I understand. Or uh, you can't because of your health. I get it. But there are some of you that could be here today. And we need you here because we need the fellowship with you. Don't forsake it. A heartwarming relationship with Christ also involves the warmth of the Scriptures as well. It was when Jesus opened the Scriptures that their hearts burned within them. Imagine having Jesus explain the Scriptures to you. He's just talking about all that's going on. He would be the person to do it. What an explanation that must have been. And again, you know, we have that today, the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth. We've got that. You see, the Scriptures, they, they can give us that heartwarming relationship with Christ because it raises our understanding level. When Jesus explained, they understood. And God's Word contains the answers to life's Problems and gives guidance to our lives. But we must search them out. We must read it. We must spend time in God's Word. The Scriptures also recover our hope. If We feel hopeless. It's time to get to God's Word. Verse 21 implies their hope was gone when they were walking to Emmaus. But in Jesus, we always have hope. And the Scriptures restore our joy Verse 17 says, their faces were downcast, but Jesus' explanation of the Scriptures left their eyes sparkling and their faces shining and their hearts burning. They were ready. What about you? Are you reading, Are you reading and studying God's Word on a regular basis? Do you find yourself kind of discouraged, downcast? Maybe that's an indicator that you need to get back into God's Word a little bit more. A heartwarming relationship with Christ also involves the warmth of His presence. They served Jesus a meal, wanted Him to stay longer, prolonging His presence with them. Think about the Asbury revival going on over there that went on, and they had to bring it to an end. I imagine there were a lot of people there going, wait, no, we need to have Jesus with us. We need to keep keep it going, keep it going. But there needs to be a time where we need to go out and express what we've learned, what we've experienced. Yes, it's great to have the presence of Jesus in that way. But we need to move forward and allow Jesus' presence to take us different places. But we need to make time for His presence in our lives. If we're too busy with life's pressures and schedules and stuff, we are missing out. We are missing out because uh, we might not be paying attention too much to what Jesus has for us. That's why it's so important. Begin your day in God's Word, some devotional, or whatever it might be, to be able to start that off and know that when you go through life, you, either that day in the life situations, you've got Jesus with you, and He's going to guide and direct you. But you need to have, you, you need to have that time with Him. There's the warmth in the presence of the Lord. And a heartwarming relationship with Christ also involves the warmth of testimony. The two couldn't keep what they had experienced to themselves. They hurried back to Jerusalem, and they told the others about it. John Wesley, he failed as a missionary in Georgia, (laughs) but after returning to London, he went to a meeting on Aldersgate Street, and he later testified, "...I felt my heart strangely warmed, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins." We need to give a testimony of what God is doing in our lives. We need to let others know what He's doing in your life today. So to walk the road of a relationship and have a heartwarming experience, <clears throat> we need to draw from the experience of Cleopas and the other disciple there. And how can we do that? What should we do? How can we put this into practice? Let me give you some things. First, I believe we need to cultivate some warm personal relationship with other Christians. Cultivate that. Participate in the fourth Sunday food fellowship that we have here at the church on Sundays. Gather together with that. Now, I understand your schedule might not allow you to do that all the time, but you got opportunity, great great situation there for us to be able to cultivate some warm personal relationships with other followers of Christ. Join in on the fellowship time after service. When we're done here and we meet on downstairs, you don't have to eat the snacks, but you sure can come down and talk with us. Share life. Maybe you want to invite someone to lunch after church or in another situation, maybe for dinner time. Have them over. A game night. I know the Cato's had some game nights with the Kokendorfers and the Frentresses a number of times as well, too. Be able to gather together and have some good time together. Enjoy that time. Invite invite them for for a meal like that. Or be the person others want to spend time with. (laughs) That's a key thing. Also, I believe, too, that we need to spend time in God's Word. Spend time in God's Word, allowing it to speak to you and warm your heart. The daily Bible reading, daily prayer time is a must for you. It's a must for me. The adult Bible discussion that goes on downstairs might give leadership to that. Going through discipleship training, great opportunity. Spend time in God's Word there. I believe we also, also too, need to practice the presence of Christ. What does that mean? Basically, recognizing Him as the unseen guest at every meal, recognizing Him as the unheard participant in every conversation, recognizing Him as the unseen companion in every endeavor that you have having Him right alongside, acknowledging that He's with you. I also believe, too, that we can testify, testify to others, spread the warmth to others by sharing what Christ is doing for you. And we have great opportunities to do that downstairs as well, too. What's God doing in your life today? And you can share, have those conversations in that way. You know, who, who was a master at this was Dale Oviatt, and I so much appreciated how he was able to just have conversations like that. He practiced the presence of Christ in his life so much, and he was able to give testimony. And if you knew him, that's what he did. He would give testimony of what God was doing in his life, and he wouldn't want to, he'd want to know what, what God's doing in your life. What's going on with you? What are you doing for, for Jesus in this? It just overflowed from him. So do you have this burning heart experience as those on the road to Emmaus had? If not, examine yourself to see if you have allowed yourself to veer off the road of relationship. Maybe you're just, you kind of got off road a little bit. Be sure you have an abandoned relationship with others or spending quality time with the Lord. Don't allow your heart to cool off. Keep it warm with His presence. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in any way possible today, I trust that you will act in obedience and saying, yes, Lord, you're right. I need to get back on track. Or, yes, Lord, you're right. I need to keep going. So important to keep on going. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence with us today. And Lord, I pray that as we sing these songs coming up, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to our hearts but the need to have that heartwarming relationship with you. and Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that does not have that, maybe they know you as Savior and they, they've, they've received you as a Savior, but maybe that's just kind of gotten a little cold, or there's been some obstacles in the way, some things have just kind of gotten in the way. Lord, I pray that uh, as you speak to their hearts, that they would take time right now just to pray with you and say, I need to get back back on road with you, back on that road of relationship. Lord, if there's someone here who does not even know about that road of relationship, they didn't, haven't even traveled on that before, they know you, Jesus, as someone who is has, has a, a, an incredible person that did incredible things, but they just not ha- they haven't trusted in you for eternal life. Lord, I pray that you'd be with that person today and help them realize that uh, they're just a prayer away. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help it, may, help it be known in their, their hearts that they need you as Savior. Lord, thank you for the offer you give us, the, off, the free gift of eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that we would be ready to receive that if we have not yet. And for those who have, the Jesus followers, I pray, Lord, that we would live it out and go deeper in our relationship with you and help us, Lord, to be ready to give testimony of what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. And I pray again that you just be able to allow us to have a little time of prayer with you to get some business done if need be. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way through this time as we sing these songs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.